Good morning. Gonna talk today spiritual warfare. And when we talk about spiritual warfare, we think about demons and flashing swords and angels and the fight around us. And that's true. But most of our warfare is right up here, between the ears, behind your eyes. It's our thought life. Anybody here want to volunteer to put their thoughts last week on the screen? Everybody see it? No. We don't like that, do we? And yet, we are not responsible for thoughts that pop into our mind. We're responsible for what we do after they popped into our mind, right? So we shouldn't be surprised when we have thoughts pop in that we don't know where they came from. And most of them come from those kind of thoughts, come from the demonic kingdom. There is three places we get most of our thoughts from. The demonic realm, satanic realm, however you want to say it. And there are thoughts that invade us, and there's reasons, there's doors for those thoughts to come in, and we can open up new doors and have more of those thoughts if we want them. There is our flesh's thoughts, like, I'm hungry. I like that one. You know, I'm thirsty, I'm tired, I'm hurting, da-da-da. And those are fleshly thoughts, and the satanic or the heavenly can get involved in those thoughts, but they're primarily caused from just living life. And then there's the heavenly thoughts. Now, all of these thoughts are just what I say. They're thoughts. They're random thoughts that go through our minds. And if we're not discerning and if we don't pay attention to those thoughts, they will take us places. Thoughts are like seeds. God knows that and Satan knows that. And they produce fruit, which is words and actions. The more you let a thought go through your mind, you will soon have words and actions that correspond with what's growing in your heart. There's a debate today with people who study the brain and the mind. Some believe that the brain and the mind are the same, but more and more people are believing, and I think the Word of God teaches that our mind is here, and the brain processes those thoughts. And you can actually see thoughts in your brain. Got the right machines hooked up, electrical impulses on your brain. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. So we would like it if when we were born again, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth would come down and just take control of our minds, wouldn't we? But as we see today, as we run through a lot of scripture, it is a partnership between you and the Holy Spirit to control your mind. Because you're the only one that has a choice in what you're going to let live in your mind and what you're going to kick out. Only you get to make that choice. Now, there's a lot of things that go into our mindsets, generational patterns of thinking, strongholds and families that have been there for generations. And if that's you... 
in that area, you've got to learn to think differently. And you may think that that kind of thinking is normal, a negative family. That's generations go back. They always got something negative to see, say, and they see things negatively. And they may think that's normal because that's what they grew up with. But as you start reading the word, as you're around other Christians and you say they got different outlooks, it might challenge you. Um, traumas work in our mindsets. And it might cause a lot of fear. Or there may be fear in your generational stuff, and that's just passed down to you, and you think that's the way life is. Well, the Word of God's got something to say about fear. I heard a pastor one time during COVID talk about how fear is your friend. And he tried to make it work somehow that fear pushed you to God, and therefore it's your friend. Well, you don't find that in Scripture at all. Everything in Scripture with fear is sin and not trusting God and not letting God's perfect love run in us. But that's normal in some Christian families. And so we got to confront that in our lives and start living in the Father's love. And when fear comes, we got to confront the fear. Why are we this way? And trauma produces a lot of that fear. Um, In our culture today, there are parents who are chasing after money, chasing after drugs, chasing after whatever, and they neglect their kids. If you're one of those neglected kids, Satan's got a complete different avenue to come into your life and tell you how worthless it is and make you angry and da-da-da. And so some people face that. On the other side of it, there are parents today who spoil their kids rotten, who never are confronted with anything. And so what does that produce in their lives? Well, we get what we call the snowflakes today, right? And if you disagree with me, you hate me. And, you know, that's just... And by the way, these kind of people have lived forever. As a kid, I've seen people, I've seen adults who, if you disagreed with, they got mad at you because that was a personal attack on them. And it's like, come on. And I'm talking in church people that you needed to agree with them or you didn't love them. And it's like, no, you got things mixed up. But then when you learned the kind of families they came from, there was always reasons for that kind of stuff. So we need to be in the Word of God. And the Word of God is our truth. And if you don't have a truth in your life, then I guess you make up your truth and you live by it. Jesus knew all of this. So Jesus starts off his public ministry. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. In other words, this was a consistent preaching of Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. What is repent? Repent is to start thinking differently, to change your mind. Many people will say repentance is changing your behaviors. That's true, but that happens because we change our thinking. Because remember, your thoughts are seeds that grow fruit. And you can water and fertilize those seeds and they'll grow fast in you and they will produce fruit. Whether they're good or bad. The church has always, when I grew up, the church was all about outward behaviors and trying to change us. The church should have been what's going on in here and in here that produces the fruit that I see in your life.
Okay? That's why the Father's heart, the Father of love is so important for us because we need things healed in us. So, the kingdom of heaven is completely opposite the kingdom of earth, and if we're going to learn to live in the kingdom of heaven while we're down here on earth, we've got to learn what the word says about how to live life. And there are Christians today who will die for the name of Jesus because they value the kingdom of heaven more than they value their life here on earth. Right? happens every day in the eastern part of the world, sometimes in the western part of the world, but it's mostly over, and we've heard the stories of Afghanistan lately, so we know what is going on in the world around us. Romans 12.2 Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, when I grew up with some of the people around, they tried to make this all outward behaviors, all outward, the way you dress, the way you do things. And while it affects that, I believe this verse is speaking to our hearts. The pattern of this world is the way the world thinks and operates, which, by the way, changes every two decades. And so what's beautiful now, in a, 20 years from now, There'll be a new standard of beauty for things. and It's just the way it goes. Fashion is really out there with it and changes. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The conforming to the world happens because of what's going on in the mind. Right? What's going on in our hearts. And the way we change the patterns of our lives to not conform to the world is by conforming ourselves to the kingdom of heaven. Which means I have to be renewed in the word of God and let him start to change me. Psalm 1, you know, we've talked about that many times before. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk, sit, or dwell in the house of the world. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. I don't want you reading three chapters of the Bible every day. I want you to read till the Holy Spirit picks something out for you, and then you need to meditate on it. There are scriptures that I have been in that I have not left for two or three weeks. I just read the same scripture over and over and over because God had me stuck there, and he spoke to me in it. Because the meditation on it, not just reading it and putting it down, but meditating on it, asking God questions about it, hearing what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about those things. And that's how we grow in the kingdom of heaven, is through our minds. Satan knows that, and he's fighting that with everything he has. He doesn't want you in the Word. He doesn't mind if you're in the Word just quickly reading it in a legalistic sense, putting it down and walk away. But when you read it for Revelation... He doesn't like it. The renewed mind, the mind that has repented, you will start to move forth in the kingdom of heaven in knowing God better and things being healed inside of you. 
Notice it says you would be able to test and approve what God's will is. What is God's will? It's good. You can trust God because God has your goodness in mind. The trouble is with God's goodness is we have a definition of good down here that's based on our perspective of living in North America in a prosperous country. If you go to Bangladesh and ask what good is, they may have a different definition. You know, it all depends on where you're at and what your perspective is. God's perspective is eternal, and his is always correct because he sees the end from the beginning. He knows what's good for you. It may not feel good today what you're walking through, but he can see 20 years down the road. And if he can get your heart healed and your mind changed, he sees what you miss down the road that would have tore your life apart, tore you apart. His pleasing will. His will will be pleasing to you the way he made you. Psalm 139, when he knit you together in, his, in your mother's womb. And his perfect will. And for some people, they have to get past that issue. I had to get past that issue when I was growing up. Jonathan, can you put the Psalm 23? Oh, you got it up there. All right. Thank you. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Powerful, isn't it? Do you think Satan believes that? Yeah, that's why he's working in your heart so hard. And, of course, God believes it because it's in the Word. The Holy Spirit wrote it. The question is, do you really believe it? Do you believe it enough to have your heart correct, to spend time getting your heart right with God and right with yourself? Do you believe it enough to put truth in here to replace the lies that give us wrong motivation? And only you get to make that choice. You may say you believe it, but what do your actions say? Do you spend time in the Word of God? Do you spend time with Him? Or do you spend your time in the world? Because it's your actions that show what you believe. And if you think this world has more pleasure to give you, you will spend more time in this world than you will with God. You will give it more power in you. Okay? You're all really quiet. Acts 15, or Matthew fifteen nineteen. he says a lot of the same stuff in a couple of the places of Matthew. Jesus had just told a little parable, and the disciples are trying to understand this. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked him. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth and goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from where? The heart. So the words you speak, that you don't know where those words came from, I'll tell you where they came from. They came from your heart. There's something lurking in your heart that produced those words. 
So maybe we need to listen to ourselves talk sometimes and then ask God questions about our talk. Amen? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, the seeds that are in the heart that are thoughts. And these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts of murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. See, you can work with people for those behaviors on the outside, right? And that's what churches do. But if we don't work at what's in the heart, you're not going to change those behaviors very much. When you, but we want to get people all cleaned up so they look great to us, and then we feel good about it. But God's working at dealing with the heart issues that are producing that fruit in someone's life. Amen? Coast Springs, I hope, is becoming a church that deals with the heart more than the outward behaviors. We can call those outward behaviors sin. I'm fine with that because they are, but calling them sin and condemning a person doesn't set them free. It just adds more condemnation on them, right? We want to lead them into freedom. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Well, the truth happens in the heart. Don't get excited about it, okay? Paul says in Colossians 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Paul is not saying that you quit your job tomorrow, you go home, you lay on the floor all day, and think heavenly things. Okay? Because Paul also says if you don't work, you don't eat. So you're not entitled to spend time with God and have other people take care of you unless the church has asked you to do that. Just to put balance into it. Who has the authority in your life to set your mind on something? You. Nobody else has authority to speak into your mind and tell you what to think. There are people in Afghanistan in the last couple of weeks who have had a gun pointed at their head and say, do you deny Jesus Christ? They had their minds set on heavenly things, and they said, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, and the trigger was pulled, and they died. And they went to see Jesus face to face. Because their minds were already made up, their heart was already in love with Jesus and had grown in trust with Jesus. We live a different kind of life. We live in a very prosperous country with pleasure and comfort and convenience all around us. And that caused to us just as much as a gun to our head 
and says, do you believe in Jesus? Well, the comfort, the pleasure, the convenience come and speak to us and say, wouldn't you rather come and follow us than Jesus? Once again, make it clear. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. There is nothing wrong with comfort. And there is nothing wrong with convenience. It's just when we make them our idols. And Paul identifies that in 2 Timothy 3, 5. I think it is. That in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, and they will have a form, but they deny the power of it. We are looking to becoming a church filled with power. We got sick people that need to get healed. We just prayed about that this morning. Right? We got people with sick hearts that need to get healed. We got a community with sick hearts that needs to get healed. So where are you setting your thoughts? Because where you set your thoughts is where your affections are and the things that you value are, right? Those things that we have pleasure. I'm not saying you gotta spend twelve hours and one minute on heavenly things and then the eleven hours and fifty nine minutes can be on earthly things and that way you're spending more time in heavenly things. It's not about that. It's not a legalistic thing. It's about the affections of your heart and how much time you're willing to spend with God. In fact I have found that in my life the pleasures of this earth are more pleasurable when I am right with God and seeking his face. You take God out of the picture, and those other pleasures don't do much for me. They're vain. I have fun doing it, but an hour later, it's like, blah. It means nothing in life to me. And yet America is filled with the seeking of pleasure. And too much of it's in the church. So back to the warfare thing. There are times in life that you cast out demons. Okay? And you just get in their face, and in the name of Jesus, your heart's right with God. You hear God tell you to go do it, you do it. There are other times that there's a process we go through. And one of those processes we go through is filling ourselves with the word of God and the truth of God. And when you do that, it makes less and less and less room for the demonic in your life. That's another way you cast out demons. And people do it differently in, in the world. In Sri Lanka, they don't go after the demonic. They just pull a tarp out in the middle of the church when somebody has a manifestation, and they put them on the tarp, and then they put people around and just pray for them. It's a different way of doing it. The demons over there show themselves because it's Hindu, and you know it's just filled with demons. Hindus have over 100 gods, well, they're all demons, and, and it's passed down generationally, and when we were over there in Sri Lanka, there was a couple times that happened over there while we were teaching and preaching, and it was just normal everyday church for them, get the tarps out, put them on the tarp, and everybody around them pray, and the demon comes out, and they didn't go after the demon, it just showed up. In America, they hide. They don't like to show themselves. They're getting a little bit braver, but in most church settings, demons will not manifest. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So we live on earth, in a physical earth, but around us there is a spiritual atmosphere, and it is filled with godly things and demonic things, or evil things. And when I use the word demonic, I use it very broadly. Okay. When we talk about demonic, I talk about nesting, a demonic nesting in people. I don't try to classify it as oppression or possession or influence. It's just, to me, all one big ball. They're all handled the same way, and that is through the blood of Jesus, the power of the God. And I don't go around looking for fights with demons. I don't like it. I want to do stuff I can see. The stuff you can't see, you got to listen to God very closely when you go through this stuff. Verse 11, so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. The word schemes there is the word in the Greek that we get the word methods out of. So, so you can take your stand against the devil's methods. What are methods? We all probably came to church today the same way we do it every Sunday, right? Did somebody run five miles to church today? No, you drove your car, right? We do that all the time. We probably took the same roads that we always take. I know I did. There's a lot of ways to get here from my house, but I took the same roads I take all the time to come in here because it's the shortest and the fastest. We do things the same way in life a lot. Those are methods. Ephesians 2.11 In order that Satan might not outwit us. What is our fight with Satan? He is trying to deceive us to outwit us. Is one of the ways he comes after us. He tries to come in in stealth or in sneakiness. And get us to buy into something and we don't see him in it. That's why we need to be discerning. For we are not unaware of his schemes. This word schemes is thoughts or concepts of the mind. So, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his thoughts or the concepts or the perspectives or the precepts of Satan in our minds. So you take the word from Ephesians 6, 11, which is methods. You take this word, which is thoughts. Satan's methods are using thoughts on us. In your brain, it is run with electrical impulses, our thoughts. And the more you think that thought, the deeper ingrained the path gets in your mind, just like on earth. If we walk through a field, the first time you walk through the field, you may bend some grass, but that's it. But if you walk it enough and enough people walk it, it's going to turn into a dirt path because it's used more. What God wants to do in our minds and in our brains is to have us change our thought patterns so that the old paths end up grass growing on them again, but we've created the new paths of the kingdom of heaven in our mind. Truth. Understand? So one of the ways you get rid of the old thoughts 
is to start thinking new thoughts. That's why we're in the Word of God. That's why we let the Word of God start dictating truth to us, and we start thinking those thoughts. And create new paths in our mind. It's, it's funny, the Holy Spirit knew it. Paul didn't know it when he wrote it, probably didn't know it. And today as they study the brain and the mind and all of that stuff, here lo and behold, it's a very accurate description of what is going on in us. Thoughts. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds are a way of thinking in our minds that have us captivated. Okay? Once again, it may be generational. The media and government, whether intentionally or not, over the last couple of years with COVID, have been trying to build a stronghold of fear in you. Because then they can control you. And probably because they're filled with fear. Because they look at the picture, they don't have God, and they look at what COVID could do to the world. And there's worse things than COVID coming, okay? You take Ebola that happened a decade or two ago and make it contagious in this world It's going to be tough, except for the kingdom of heaven on earth who has authority over it. So strongholds is a a way of thinking that is ingrained in you. If it's fear, that has no room in a Christian's life. Because perfect love casts out all fear. We are supposed to be living in the perfect love of God, not fear. Now, do we do that overnight? Once in a while it happens overnight, but most of the time it's a progression as we learn about God and as we confront fears in our lives. And of course, those fears make us controlling and manipulative of people and things in our lives. So let's just run with fear since I'm talking about it. We we demolish arguments and Every pretension, and fear does that, that sets us up against itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to God. So, you're filled with fear. COVID comes, and by the way, you're supposed to use wisdom with this stuff. And sometimes wisdom and fear to another person look to be the same thing. But inside it, one's doing it with wisdom and no fear. The other one's doing it with fear. So you will see peace in one person and there won't be peace in the other person. But they're doing the same thing. It's like servanthood. We can serve each other. And one can be out of a heart of love and true humility. The other one can be, I'm going to serve you so you owe me something. So later on I can say, hey, remember when I helped you do this? I need help now. And on the outside, they look the same but on the inside they're completely different. God sees that stuff. The Holy Spirit sees it, and he's working with us. So, who takes captive every thought? We do. Does it say the Holy Spirit takes captive every thought in you? Do you think the Holy Spirit helps you do that? 
I know he does. He helps me. Something comes in my mind, and if I let it sit there too long, the Holy Spirit's like, Brent, you need to deal with that because that will put you in bondage, and you want to live in freedom. And sometimes Brent's not ready to confront that. Watching a hockey game or something. You know, my mind's on this. I want to watch this. And here you're talking to me about that thing. Can't we talk about that later? I know you guys aren't like that. But that's the way it works with me and God. You take captive. The spirit of truth is working in you. I believe in the next move of God, one of the big things that's going to happen is the spirit of truth is going to convict people very quickly of wrong thoughts and especially the world but the church also carries a lot of wrong thoughts and we wink at them and and let it go because your outside looks pretty good so we can deal with it and God's saying no I want you I want this cleared up the last decade of my life is all has been about trust in me I'm going to take you to deeper levels of trust in me I don't like it, okay? I'm facing some fears in me that I didn't know were there. God knew they were there, and it's not that he wants to be mean and watch me wiggle my way through this thing. and <laughs> He wants me to be free. Freedom comes when I listen to him and he confronts some things like buying a building for a whole lot more money than this little northern Michigan boy is used to talking about. Or he gives, lets a sickness come on me in a third world country and I get home and I got all these physical problems that I didn't have before. And he says, will you trust me with this? And I'm going, well, I really don't have any other choice. But he was showing me there's some places in my life where his perfect love is not yet completed in me. And I got some wrong perspectives because of my thought life. More to say, but we got to keep moving. We'll just hit this real queer, quick. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever, knowing what we just talked about, the importance of your mind and the thoughts in your mind. Paul says this, and this is all in the passage about peace that passeth understanding, which by today the world needs peace. We need to be people of peace that show peace to the world. Okay? How can you be so peaceful with COVID going around you and you're just sitting there so relaxed and you're not afraid of it? Well, it's because I have a Savior and a healer and I've already had it. And I passed through it even though I have three things against me and it should have put me in the hospital. My God is sufficient for me. I don't know why I got it. He could have protected me from even having it, but he let me go through it. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. I have a couple questions to ask you. What kind of movies do you watch? Do they line up with this? Oh, Brent, now you're getting legalistic on me. Do you want a mind that leads you to freedom? Or do you want a mind 
that lets Satan keep a couple tentacles in there and makes your life harder. That's what Paul is saying. What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of news are you watching on TV or listening to on the radio? I'm not saying to cut off the news completely, but I'll tell you I watch a lot less news now than I used to use. And God told me to do that because he was going to work more peace in me. It's not that I deny what's out there, but I know each side spins the news, and I want truth. And I get it from him. I don't get it from my TV set. I get all kinds of spin. And most of it is negative. Most of it is fear-driven in the last year and a half, two years. And I'm just not buying it. I'm living in peace. i got a smile on my face. Because where there's peace, there's room for joy. What kind of people are you listening to? Psalm 1, one again. Living in the world. Do you let them have impact on what you listen to and believe? There is a time for that when you're strong enough to handle it and present to them another way. Okay? Because everybody fights this, this thing of thoughts in their lives. Notice the verse doesn't say that we think on whatever is false, whatever is mediocre, whatever is wrong, whatever is corrupt, whatever is ugly and demeaning. He doesn't tell us to think about those things, and yet some of us will get carried away into that stuff if we're not careful. And we will even make it spiritual because we... We're fighting that stuff, so we've got to understand it. No, you need to understand the kingdom. You need to be aware of some of that stuff. But you don't sit and think and meditate on that stuff. You take it to God in prayer, and you meditate on his solutions and his answers, and then you stay in peace. Because there's a lot to get upset about in the world today. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? I've tried to instruct him at times. He's never listened to me very well. So I'll just tell you right now that don't waste your time doing that. Just sit and say, Father, teach me what you're doing through this, what you got to say through this. Years ago he told me, no more opinions, Brent, because your opinion is wrong because it's based on the earth. If you want a true opinion, listen to mine and then speak that one. So I've been working at that. But we have the mind of who? Christ. Jesus. If you're born again, you have within you already the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? It is Christ's thoughts, it is his emotions, it is his feelings. See, in America, we're taught to run with our feelings and emotions. Most of them are lies. We get upset about stuff that there's no reason to get upset about. You have your mind, and we have the mind of Christ. Every one of us who follow Jesus have the mind of Christ within us. How much do you listen to it? And how much do you listen to your 
thinking? How much do you fill your mind with the opposite of this one? And you do it gladly with wide open arms? Or how much do you have the mind of Christ and think like this? The mind of Christ is in you, but you've got to access it and give it room to live in your mind and in your heart and in your brain. It's already there. Jesus has given you his mind. The thoughts of God are already within you. We just got to access them. And we haven't been taught to do that. So one of the big questions in the church today, which is a good question, is how do I know if it's God or not? And that's what we all want. We all want to be discerning. Well, the first thing we've got to do is know the word, and we've got to accurately interpret the word. In other words, we've got to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me through this? There are things that I believe now that are complete opposites to what I believed as a kid growing up in church, and the church told me to think. Because I got into the word for myself. And rather than this big overbearing God thing that used to be over me, ready to pounce on me whenever I sinned, I found me a heavenly father who loves me and wants to take me to the freedom from sin because I'm his son, not his enemy. Jesus was good enough to get me into heaven. I don't have to be good enough to get there. But I want to be good because I'm his. I'm not trying to get God to respond to me anymore. I'm responding to God. But I grew up trying to get God to respond to me. There wasn't much freedom in that. There wasn't much joy and peace in that. But Romans fourteen seventeen, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, which is what, for the most part, I believed, whether I wanted to say it or not. But it's righteousness, peace, and joy. When I learned the righteousness that Jesus gave me, that gave me right standing with God, it gave me peace in my life with God. And when I had peace with God, I got joy in me. Amen? And that's part of the mind of Christ working in me. So while I'll get emotional once in a while and act on it afterwards, I usually beat myself up for doing it, but God says, patience, Brent, you're getting this. I don't run my life on emotions anymore. A kid that's neglected is going to grow up and be angry. Anger is an emotion. That's not the only reason for anger. It's just one of them. He's got to learn that he doesn't have to live life like that because he's got a heavenly father who doesn't ignore him, who he is the most precious or she is the most precious person to them, that constantly God is thinking over them, thoughts about them. Amen? We're the ones with the message of hope and peace. Some people use alcohol. Some people use drugs. Some people use sex, spending money, everything to try to find the peace that we have through Jesus. And the peace is real. Jesus doesn't give us peace like the world gives us. Gives us Jesus gives us the peace to walk through whatever comes at us, including 
death by martyrdom because we have him and our peace is not of this world but it's in the heart and the brain and you're the one that makes the choice and I've got to make a choice to shut up now and let you all go home but I challenge you this week You've got some time and talk to him about this and be aware of your thoughts. And we're going to pray here and we're going to ask for the mind of Christ to become more real in us, but also that we take time to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us and we become a discerning bunch of people. And you can think better when you're in peace than when you're emotional. Amen? We make bad decisions when we get emotional a lot. Not all emotions are lies, okay? There's good stuff in there. But a lot of emotions are lies. And they become our thought process and we see a society around us that act on their emotions instead of truth and peace. So Father God, thank you that you gave us the control of our minds in our hearts. And though Satan has come in and in the war that we're in, he tries to destroy and draw us and hurt us and traumatize us and take away all the peace and the right standing with you and try to steal our joy and that we would put peace and joy in temporal things that don't last. Is kingdom is all about fear and control and manipulation and he wants us to buy into that it's what he dealt with Eve with and Adam with back in Genesis 3 but Jesus you came that we might have peace a peace that's everlasting a life that is everlasting truth that is not something that is wavering that today is truth and tomorrow people think differently so it's not truth. No. Your truth endures forever. And Jesus, you are truth. So we thank you, Lord, and we ask your Holy Spirit, first of all, to help us take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We will wear out, but you, Holy Spirit, give us the endurance, the self-control, the sound mind to take control of those thoughts and make them obedient to Jesus. Lord, show us the importance of that for each one of us in a personal way. And Lord, it is not just a matter of getting rid of those thoughts, but it is also a matter of receiving and putting into practice the mind of Christ and hearing the mind of Christ in us. So that we can think like you do, that our opinions will be opinions of heaven, not of this earth. That we can view things from the perspective of heaven and not the temporal earth. Father, I need that. The sermon this morning was more for me than anybody else, I think, because I had to deal with it all week. And it's good stuff, God. 
thank you, Lord, that that you're not just interested in the outside looking good, but you're looking at setting us free because you love us so intensely, because you prayed, paid the price of demonstrating that love for us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That that mind of Christ became available for us so that we could live in the joy and the peace and the righteousness of the kingdom. Regardless of what's happening around us, convict us, Lord, where we put more trust in money, in finances, in the comfortability that we live in in America. Lord, we live so far below what you intend for us to live with when we live that way. So come, mind to Christ, on each one and each one on the Internet this morning watching and that we'll watch that. Help us take seriously the mind of Christ and start asking questions of you, Holy Spirit, about this mind of Christ that is given to us. And we give you thanks for it in advance. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that in each one of our lives you are working to help us sort out our thought life, to take it captive and make it obedient to you so that the mind of Christ can come in and and become a stronghold in our lives against the satanic attacks. We give you praise in Jesus' name.